Stevick. I'm Nick Gunning. Allie, welcome back. Thanks. It's good to be here quick, again. Quick turnaround this time. I know. <laughs> <laughs> you can't stay away. Uh, how's How are things? How's it going? Oh, yeah. It's been pretty good. I almost said the title of the podcast. I didn't mean to, but well, you, know. you know. These things happen. <laughs> this is what happens when you use puns. I guess so. I guess so. Hey, you've been having some teens hanging I out at the library. I have been having some teens. Yeah. That's, uh, Coming to the teen loft. That's the out. dream. It really is. I love those lights. I love the lights too. I am so excited. Allie like, decked out the teen loft with they're like LED like string lights. They're like yeah, like little fairy lights that yeah. go along the hallway. I, like yeah, you walk in like you're coming into like you know a fairy palace or something. Yeah, and then it, surprise, it's the teen loft. So, but <laughs> somebody just said that it was like a Narnia library, and I saw that picture of like the long shot of the hallway looking down, which is on the teen Instagram, right? You want to tell them about the teen Instagram? Yeah, it's on the teen Instagram. So we have an Instagram page that's kind of supposed to be specifically for teens to use yeah. to update about what's going on teen mm-hmm. things and you know just kind of be a place so you can follow it if you want it's d-a-h-p-l teens okay so you know david a i'm glad i'm glad <laughs> <laughs> you know our instagram account was i don't know for it was dormant for a while and then eric started posting pictures of like new ya books and things but he was really the only one that was using it and then he kind of stopped And none of us used it for like years. And then at the start of the quarantine, I was like looking for different ways to connect. And I was like, don't we have an Instagram account? And so we started using it. And then we all kind of started using it again. And I feel like it gets a lot of activity. I feel like it's one of our more popular social medias now. That makes sense to me. You know what's dead? And I don't know why I'm airing our dirty laundry on the podcast, but I'm going to do it. The library Twitter page. Mm. It just doesn't get a lot of play. I don't know why. I don't know why either. Which I mean, I don't use Twitter myself. Oh, you so don't? I don't know what to tell you. You're just too hip? Or what's I the... just never felt a need to use it, I huh. guess. And I was like, I already have plenty of social media. So what's more your... than I want, really. <laughs> <laughs> so what's your preferred then? What do you like social media wise? I think I mostly use Instagram. Okay. I, I like Instagram. I started with Facebook. Yeah. Branched out to Instagram. Was maybe peer pressured into it by my friends in college. But, oh. you know, I don't regret it. I okay. think it was... <laughs> Ultimately, a good one of the move. rare cases of positive peer pressure, I well, guess. Well, you know, it ended up okay. being a good thing, but might have, you know, might not have been the best way to get I, it. <laughs> <laughs> I also like Instagram, but I didn't use it until I was trying to like get back into the library Instagram account. And I was like, I should probably have my own. But mm. now I do, and I like it. So well, that's good. I tend, I feel like I use Twitter the most. This is not interesting content, but it's just a fact. I feel like I use Twitter the most. Uh, boy, that was a, a long day's journey into nothing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to introduce our topic today? Our topic today, we're talking about Victorian literature or 1800s literature. Yeah. Or things set during things that time. Things set during that time. Because you're a big Bridgerton fan, right? No. <laughs> oh, really? Don't misrepresent oh. me to these okay. people. Because <laughs> I thought you were a huge Bridgerton fan, but no, I guess not. Okay. Have you seen the show Bridgerton? I have not seen the show Bridgerton. Okay. I've seen trailers and clips, you know, when you yes. like scrolling through facebook netflix will be like here's a clip from this thing you might like yeah. and i'm like you don't i don't i'm not it's i'm not vibing with for it for you yeah okay would you say that you have like an antagonistic relationship with bridgerton does its existence make you mad it's you, existence you can be makes me a little mad it does. like there okay. are other things that i'm you know more upset about because that's really oh sure you know a waste of my negative energy to be too upset about Bridgerton. yeah but yeah i just yeah it it feels a little weird to me kind of like it's pretending to be something that's okay. really not real the world it's set in didn't exist yeah. but it unlike fantasy it's not necessarily immediately obvious yes. that it's not a real world okay and that just feels a little weird my understanding of the bo- the books that it's based on are pretty significantly different from the actual series i don't really know anything about yeah. the books I don't know. They've had a resurgence in popularity, of course. I mean, we, we have the nice Bridgerton Netflix cover version of it, which has got oh. some play. But I, we have the whole series. It's an older series, so it's uh, it's mostly in the stacks. But, I mean, I guess for better or worse, it, that did kind of like bring an interest in Victorian era things. Which I guess... A little bit more mainstream. That I'm not mad you know? about. And maybe, maybe it's like a gateway drug, you know? I could see maybe that. Maybe it will lead to some actual... Do you have something, I mean, this is really more in the segment, but we're here now, so we're going to do it. Do you have something that you might recommend for somebody who had watched Bridgerton and now they want something else that's Victorian set 
as far as a something show. to watch. A show or a movie. So miniseries, whatever. There's like all the Jane Austen adaptations. Yeah. Do you have a favorite? Uh, I have a few favorites. <laughs> <laughs> and that's <laughs> it's a little pre Victorian, but it's the same kind of okay. kind of vibe. Okay. Um, but the the long version of Pride and Prejudice with Colin Firth. Yeah. That's my that's wife a loves good that. She would mm-hmm. watch that right now. She oh, would just yeah, drop so everything good. and watch it. Yeah. I feel the same way. Okay. I would watch it with All her. right. Uh, well, as a means to segue into our bookmark segment, I've been watching something that borderline counts. So, uh, bookmark. I've been watching Dickinson on Apple Plus, and I know she's American, and maybe that doesn't count so much. But no, ha- I think that's fine. You think that that's legit? Yeah. Okay. Have you seen the show? No, but I've seen things about it, and I I've been interested. So yeah. I'm curious to hear what you think. No, I really like it. We're we're not too deep into it yet. I think we're about four episodes in. Haley Steinfeld, uh, Jane Krakowski. It's a great cast. And it is, it's one of those things where it's definitely taking like a, a modern language and approach, but it seems to me that it, it's staying true, at like at least to the, to the core concept. So I feel like it's a good mix, but I don't know. I mean, maybe you're a purist, maybe you wouldn't like it, but I, I just, don't know. I just think it's clever and entertaining and interesting. So I'm, I'm having a good time with that. Are you watching anything lately that you like? So actually, yes. I feel like the last couple of times you've asked me this, I've been like, oh, do I even watch movies? <laughs> But my family has started watching this show. It's called Wish Me Luck. Okay. Actually, I think that's what it's called. You're we, very we never wholesome, use aren't you? A you're little all bit. <laughs> you're always like, my family doesn't go to movies. My family watches this. So it's very, we do a lot it's of, heartwarming. A lot of family watching together, but in our living room rather I see. than in movies. Okay. But all right. I, I like it. It's, okay. it's a good time. Yeah, yeah. But I think that's what the show is called because we never actually call it by title. We're just like, oh, can we watch one of those tonight? You uh-huh. know what I mean, uh-huh. right? But it's about these British women during World War II okay. becoming spies, going to France, okay. pretending to be French women and gathering intel. Oh. And so I think it was like made in the 80s or so. Mm, okay. So, so you where, know, where are you watching it? What's it on? It's on DVD. Oh, DVD. It might be on other things as well, okay. but we are watching DVD. DVD. Okay. DVD. All right. Yes. I'm, right. See, I'm glad you're old school like that because I always get dragged for still like, I occasionally will like buy a DVD and all my friends are like, what are you doing? Well, we, we still have a VHS player. Oh, sure. We still have a VHS yeah. collection. We have, yeah. like, I think the complete Jeeves and Wooster on oh, VHS. Wow. And that's on brand. And yeah. Long Pride and Prejudice. Okay. So <laughs> on VHS. So on that's VHS. like 10, 10 VHS. We also tapes have it on DVD. Actually. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just in case. In case Just something in case, happens you to one, you have a if backup. If I'm going to a okay. friend's house and they don't have a VHS player, so I can bring <laughs> Which is DVD, common, I would assume would be common. Do you have it on Betamax or you don't? No. That's too old for you. Okay. All right. All right, so you, I'm sorry, I, f- I already forgot the title. I think it's called Wish Me Luck. Wish Me Luck. So, and it's been really fun so From far. The 80s I'm really enjoying it. That you're yeah. watching on DVD. Okay. <laughs> yep, yep. All right, real cutting edge stuff for you. Uh, I, know. I know. I mean, mine's gonna, uh, mine's gonna feel lowbrow because um, we've been watching a lot of cartoons. Cartoons you know? are good. Uh, I was always a big like Hanna Barbera, like Scooby Doo, and all that. And we would like my wife and I would occasionally just like let's watch Scooby Doo. And by occasionally, I mean kind of a lot. And then when we had our son. We were like, we can't, we can't watch cartoony stuff when we have like uh, the very few hours of time where we can do whatever we want. Mm -hmm. So we kind of stopped, but we've been getting into Masters of the Universe Revelation, which is on Netflix now. Did you ever watch He-Man or anything like that? Okay. It was, when I was a kid, it was huge and I wasn't allowed to watch it. And so I missed He-Man the first time around, but my wife liked it in particular. She liked the He-Man She-Ra Christmas special, which is like a family tradition for them. (laughs) But we've been watching the old show and then Netflix is doing this. uh, It's really kind of like a sequel to the original show, a little bit more adult themed, uh, made by Kevin Smith. And so we watched all five episodes and it's great. We really liked it. It just, it's, I, you know, I don't do a ton of fantasy, probably because I wasn't allowed to watch He-Man as a child. Mm, understandable. But <laughs> I think it handles it really well. Like, we were totally in, kind of sped through the first five episodes. And now we're waiting for the next five episodes to drop. So in the meantime, we started watching uh, the She-Ra show that's on Netflix that went for three seasons, wrapped pretty recently. And it's a, de- it's a lighter take. It feels a little bit more... While, while Masters of the Universe Revelation is really trying to sort of capture that 80s action fantasy vibe, uh, She-Ra is, is a much more modern sensibility. It's very funny, but it's also like the characters are good and it's clever and we're really invested in what's going on. So that's been a lot of fun. And I kind of just missed that when it started. Uh, but that's uh, that, that we've been having a good time with that. So you're not familiar with any of that kind of stuff. Uh, 
I mean, I've heard about it a little bit, but okay. haven't haven't dug in myself. Well, I don't think it's on VHS, so you probably, uh, you know, you probably. in that case. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, we were doing a drive. Uh, we we drove. This is a true story. We decided just to go to a Trader Joe's, which was like over an hour away, but we had a craving, so we did. So while we were doing that, we listened to an audiobook of the first, uh, based on the Shira show, called Origin of a Hero by Tracy West, and we have these in print in the juvenile paperback section in those gray <laughs> shelving that I hate so much. Oh yeah, you do. I, but it's like but it's shelving. there, and so if anybody's interested in the show, uh, we do we do have it on DVD. So there you go. All right. You, you can watch it. I can watch it. And we have the DVD. book, so you can check that out as well. What have you been reading What lately? have I been reading? Yeah. So I think the last time we talked, mm-hmm. I was reading Thick as Thieves. I mean, we talk outside of this, we, well, but yes. I understand. Yes. I understand what you mean. And I am still working through Thick as Thieves. It's taking me a while. Okay. But I am reading some other stuff, listening to some audiobooks okay. as usual. Yes. So I just finished a book called The Conch Bearer. This is by Chitra Banerjee Devakruni, who I think I mentioned the last I think time you did. we talked yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, and I really liked that. It kind of reminded me of Harry Potter, but it's okay. like set in India. Okay. Um, mm. So it was a pretty good time. And now I'm working my way through Lemony Snicket's All the Wrong Questions series. I tried that multiple times and I just couldn't get into it. Are you having a, are you finding that you like it? I'm finding I like it. And again, I'm listening to it. So I think that helps. Oh, that would help. Who reads but, it? Uh, I don't know. I can, oh, okay. I can find it. All right. Uh, that was... So we talked all about Lemony Snicket back in the early days of the All the Books show, which, friendly reminder, all the past episodes of the podcast are available at soundcloud.com slash all the books or anywhere you get your podcasts. Also, it's on YouTube. I've been updating the YouTube, finally. Ooh, but anyway, episode 82, we did a whole deep dive into Lemony Snicket, but... I was listening to those audio books as they were coming out of Series of Unfortunate Events. Mm-hmm. And they were read by Tim Curry, who did just a great job. He's a big VHS guy. Do you know Tim Curry? I, the name is familiar. <laughs> okay. Uh, and then Lemony Snicket took over reading them, and it was not as good. It was like mm. a clear dive down. And then the next one came back, and it was Tim Curry again. So I think they uh, were aware as well. But yeah, I feel like something about Lemony Snicket's style is particularly good for audio. So maybe I should go back around and try again. My thought on the first one was that it felt it was like all charm, no substance. That's that's what mm-hmm. I thought mm-hmm. when I read it. Do you, that's fair. Does that? I mean, that like I'm not gonna say that's an unreasonable thing to say, but I still enjoy. It. You <laughs> yeah. know, it was only like a two-hour audiobook the first one. Oh, too, okay. So it was like. You know, pretty quick and well, fun. Maybe if I like, I, I didn't finish it, so I can't really grade it in that way. Because I read it, I picked it up when it came out because I was such a big, you know, Unfortunate Events fan. I had not seen the show, but the books I really liked. And I tried that and then I tried reading it again when we did the Spotlight episode uh, back with episode 82. And I don't know. How many books are in the series? Uh, there are four. And it is vaguely connected to Unfortunate Events. That I don't know. I haven't actually read. Oh, you have Unfortunate events. Okay. Well, when I was a child, I don't. I think I wasn't allowed to. Maybe. Oh. And then it was one of those things. This thing would always happen when I was yeah. a kid, where mom and dad would be like, "Oh, we think maybe you're not ready for that book yet," or mm-hmm. you know, "You're not allowed. We're gonna wait." And then I would just assume that that was the case forever. Like I wouldn't oh. be aware of the fact that I'd gotten yeah, older. Yeah, she's gotten maybe, past a new right. So I'm like, you know, can, 21 mm-hmm. now, and I'm like, am I allowed to read the series of hmm. Unfortunate? Of course I am, but I haven't read them. I I'm I'm. I mean, don't at me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure they are connected because Lemony Snicket himself is a main character in... All Their Own Questions. Yes, yes correct. He's the, okay. the main character. Right. And he and Beatrice, is Beatrice a part of that? Not yet. Okay. Well, Lemony Snicket's a, a pretty minor supporting character in Series of Unfortunate Events, and my understanding was that it's the same character in the mm. same world, but... Interesting. You know, I know that could be the case. I'm no expert. Do you see yourself going back and reading unfortunate events or does it seem I'm enjoying this enough that I'm like, okay, yeah, I can, I can see making my way. That was a series that I discovered. So back at my very first library job, uh, I, I was a, you know, a, a student worker and I had to empty the big book returns and I saw those books coming through the book returns all the time. And at that point, I think maybe there was only, I don't know, the first three or something out, but they were just constantly through. And finally I was like, I, I got to listen to these. So mm-hmm. I started doing the audiobooks and then caught up to it. And so it was kind of fun because I was, you know, constantly like trying to figure out when the next book was going to come mm-hmm. out and everything. And so that, that was fun. fun. I don't feel like I've had a series that I've been that invested in, in a while. Are there any series that you're like caught up on waiting for the next waiting one? Waiting for the next one? Yeah. To be published. Like? I feel like at this point, most things that I'm reading are, that I'm like Finished. that, in, yeah. you know, like 
so intensely caring yeah. about our completed series. Yeah. So I don't know if there's anything that I'm like, you know, banging down. I the do kind of miss that. Yeah, like, it is kind of fun. I like the anticipation of it. Same with comic books. I don't know. I haven't really. There used to be series that I would wait for like the trade paperback to come out. And it hasn't really happened in a while. I do read a lot of webtoons. And those are usually webtoons. weekly updates. Okay. And so every week it's like, it's almost Wednesday. I can't wait for the episode. So like, again, <laughs> it's a little bit of that same experience. Okay. All right. Well, hit me with your favorite webtoons. What do you like? What do you recommend? I think my top favorite right now is Lore Olympus, which okay. is like a... It's not exactly a modern retelling, but it's kind of modern of mostly the story of Hades and Persephone, but all kind of all the other myths are worked in. Okay. And it's really colorful and pretty. And the story is a lot of fun. And if you're a fan of Greek myths, Mm -hmm. I think you'll, you know, you'll like it a lot. Mm -hmm. So I've been enjoying that. And it's one of the most popular ones. I think it might be like the number one webtoon right now. So do they, does it have any collections? I know often those will result in print collections. I think that one a print collection is cooking like it's in, in the, the works, works. Okay. yeah but i'm i haven't been following that too closely because i'm like well it'd be cool to have but i don't want to spend money on it i used to read religiously dinosaur comics by ryan north mm. I, th- I think that's still going but that's a that's a good time that's one where uh the panels are static it's just the same images every single time and the you know the the f- print changes and they're just so funny oh those are fun i love them i like when they do that so that the same again the same image with yeah. different words takes on such different oh, yeah. meaning like the facial expressions read differently yeah. you know and it's funny because sometimes the comics would acknowledge like the poses and the you know what was happening like in the panel and other times not at all you know what mm. i mean just mm-hmm. completely wouldn't ad- adjust it at all so i kind of have fallen out of that so maybe i'll check out some of your favorites what else do you like i read one called brass and sass which just went on <laughs> hiatus i okay. know <laughs> i like it but it's about like high school kids in band okay and it seems like it's like the initial premise seems like it's maybe going to be like a romance kind of thing. Yeah. But I feel like it's really more about the main character's kind of journey of learning music and not always being able to pursue her hobbies, mm. but really wanting to pursue this one and okay. friendships that she makes with the other band students. And so it's just kind of sweet and wholesome and I enjoy it. Nice. So, all right. Did we cover all the things on your reading list? On my reading moment, list? We jumped around so much. I, I think. The other thing that I, I just recently thread. read uh-huh. that I really enjoyed okay. is a book called Alatsaway. I also listened to an audiobook of okay. this because, right. you know, the drive to it. We'll accept from. it, but, yeah. And that's like a, also like a modern fantasy story, but the main character is Lip and Apache, and the fantasy world that it is kind of incorporates those traditional stories. And okay. Also some just like general things like Oberon and fairies and mm-hmm. that kind of thing. But so it has that, which is really fun. And then the main character can wake ghosts so she has like oh. a ghost dog and okay she wants to be a paranormal investigator mm-hmm. and so then there's a murder and she and her friend are like doing kind of this investigating thing okay has vampires it was just really a fun hmm. time that sounds fun I a series it. ongoing series i'm not sure that's one that's okay. one that i'm like if there is oh, okay. another one i'm so waiting could. for it but so i'm not sure if there is or not i feel like there could be but it wasn't a clear more is coming so okay we'll see we'll all see. right all right. Uh, I wrapped some things that I feel like I'd been reading forever. I've been talking about Exile Music by Jennifer Style for multiple episodes now. Uh, and I did finish it. This was the one, I think we talked about it a little bit, but this was the one that was set during World War II. And it's about a Jewish family who manages to get out of Austria and settle in Bolivia, which is the only place that will mm-hmm. take them. Mm-hmm. And so it's really from the perspective of the youngest daughter. And you see her go from i I don't know i want to say she's like eight or nine in the beginning and she's like you know a a fully grown adult by the end of the book Mm. and you just sort of watch her adapting to her very stark change in circumstance and you watch how it's more difficult for the parents they're both musicians the um Oh, the father, I think, plays the violin. That's probably wrong. But he he plays an instrument, and the mother is a famous opera singer. And once they leave, she just refuses to sing. And so that sort of Mm. becomes a thing. It takes some unexpected turns. It takes some dark turns. Uh, But I just, I was really, I don't know. I, I hadn't read a book like that in a while where I was just, like, never bored. I was never like, okay, let's move on to another section. I was just really interested in where it was going to go and had no idea you know like i didn't know if we were heading towards a resolution where they're gonna settle in bolivia and be happy or they're gonna find their way back to austria or what you know what i mean it wasn't it wasn't something where you can sort of guess the trope that's coming so i just uh, i was i was all in so it's called Exile Music. Um, I read, I, I guess we'll stick with World War II for a minute because I read They Called Us Enemy by George Takei. And this is about the Japanese internment 
during World War II. Hmm. And George Takei, you know, like from, he plays Sulu on Star Trek. Mm-hmm. If you're, yeah. what's your Star Trek knowledge like, Allie? Oh, I like Star Trek. Okay. My knowledge is very scattered though, because we don't always watch things exactly. Just whatever, order. whatever it comes. Yeah. Or okay. like I'll go away to college and I'll miss a season and I'll come back and there'll be a season later. Kind okay. Of thing, so. Well, I, <laughs> when I was in college, me and two of my friends went to like a, it wasn't, it was a sci-fi convention and George Takei was one of the guests and I like ran into him in a hall and, you know, we chatted a little bit and, and so I, I liked him and so I read his autobiography, which I think is called To the Stars. And he talked a little bit about living as a child for several years in internment camps. And mm. so I was already a little bit familiar with his experiences in the story, but this is a graphic novel that really digs in step by step. And I just thought it was so well done. Mm. It. I mean, it is, it, it's kind of a, a, a bleak and dark story, but it's told in a way that I feel like is ultimately sort of hopeful and you kind of see his life on either side of this. And again, you kind of see the toll it takes on the parents and the family and the things that they have to adjust to. It's really just kind of a horrific part of American history. Yeah. You know, and I think something like this sheds a light on something that, I don't even know if, I mean, do most people know? I don't think I did until like two years ago. Right, yeah. So. I mean, I, I just don't remember talking about it a ton. I mean, I was a history minor in college, and I don't remember, right. like, I remember being aware of it, but I don't remember this being like a thing. Like, let's focus on this horrible thing we did as a country, you know? And so I think like as, as more and more these conversations are happening, I just feel like a book like this, especially in graphic novel format, is really powerful and is a way to kind of, you know, get the word out because I think it's important to remember that kind yeah, of thing absolutely. and not just be like, well, that Brush sucks. Let's move on. Mm-hmm. You know, it's yeah. just, it's not that kind of thing. So it was entertaining and it was also like powerful and uh, definitely expanded my knowledge of the whole process. So I would really recommend that. Uh, on the lighter side, I read a big collection of X-Men comics called Essential X-Men Volume 2. This is by Chris Claremont. X-Men during this time... You don't, you're not an X-Men fan. Not really. But you're, no. you're slowly... I have a Ms. Marvel that I'm going to tell you about because I know you're a Ms. Marvel fan. Oh, I, I sure am. But X-Men at this time, it was written by Chris Claremont, like one author for decades. And it just... It becomes like a soap opera because there's so many <laughs> characters and so many like interconnected things that are happening. And because you have one writer, it's like things are set up back here and then like 15 issues later, you're like, remember that thing? Aha! So... <laughs> Pretty dramatic read, pretty fun read. Uh, we did a whole X-Men episode uh, back in uh, episode 198 of the All the Books Social. You can find that. The Ms. Marvel that I read is also from those horrible gray shelves in the juvenile section mm. that we have called Ms. Marvel Fists of Fury. This is one that I read with my son. It's by Calliope Glass. Uh, it's a junior level novel. And, you know, it has some pictures in it, some of the font, like when it's a, when something big is happening, the font will be a different color or bigger. Mm -hmm. So the series is really good for kids to read, I think, because it's not like there's a picture on every page, but there's at least something visually interesting, something to break it up on every Mm -hmm. page. So he's, he's seven he read it on his, his own and then I read it and then we would, we'll do like a little book club where we talk about it. So it's a Ms. Marvel and Thor team up, which is a very unusual combination, but he really liked it and I did as well and we had a good talk about that. I'm currently reading one called Unsettling Stars by Alan Dean Foster and this is a Star Trek book. So do you have a favorite era of Star Trek? Favorite era? I really like Next Gen, and I okay. really like DS9. Okay, Deep Space Nine. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Unsettling Stars is one that's actually set in the Chris Pine movie universe. Mm. And we had Alan Dean Foster on the show back in episode 220. That's a lot of episodes I'm dropping here, but 225. <laughs> and he was telling us about this book because at that time it hadn't come out. And he'd actually written it like 10 years ago. And the publisher was kind of like, yeah, we don't want to do books based on the movie so like he got paid and they just put it in a closet That's so. and weird. since they've been talking about doing another movie in that franchise i think they're like well we got these books sitting around so let's publish them so the book is you know 10 plus years old now and it's finally seen the light of day so it's fun it's interesting and then i'm reading one called becoming muhammad ali by kwame alexander which is fun so far nice yeah, yeah. anything on your horizon that you're that you're anticipating coming out or what you're going to read next I decided I want to make my way through 
all the books of Chichar Banerjee Divakaruni. Okay. I had my brother make a chart for me so I can check them off. <laughs> There's like 30 of them. So it may take yeah. me years. A delegate. I like that you're delegating that well, kind of I, thing. Well, I, I'm paying him with Legos. So oh. It was a commission. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So this is like a barter situation at the Stevic house. <laughs> <laughs> Where Lego I, I, is I currency. Guess? Okay. Lego is currency. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. So which which of which of the books have you read so far? I've read Palace of Illusions and I read The Conch Bearer. Okay. So right, and based on those alone, I decided I want to read. You're gonna go all the distance. So okay. that tells you how good these books were. I, it does. Yeah. So much that you had to bribe your little brother with Lego to <laughs> map your course forward. Well, I didn't bribe forward. him. I asked him. And oh, he I accepted see. my offer. Okay. So are you? Buying Legos, or do you have like a stash I of Legos? I am buying specific Legos. Specific yes. Legos. Mm-hmm. What are they? It's one of the classic space sets, which okay. is what he asked for. Mm-hmm. And it's hopefully going to come in the mail like maybe today. Okay. But he doesn't know which one it is yet, so oh, it's going to be a surprise. Okay. Mm-hmm. So he better get to work then. Well, he's d- he finished Oh, the he finished? Already. Wow. Yeah. I okay, asked so it's him like to do a it, COD and the next morning situation. he was like, here's your chart. He was ready to go. Yeah. Wow. Okay. All right. Well, if I have any chart needs, I mean, I could buy some Lego. So yeah. we'll, we'll He's talk. He's good at it. We'll he talk makes off good charts. We'll talk off mic. All right. Uh, shall we move into some book news? Sure. Let's do it. Look into the future to see what it proves. It's time for book news. Well, first, I wanted to share that the shortlist for the Women's Prize for Fiction has been announced. So we'll just go through that quickly. Uh, we have Transcendent Kingdom by Yagasai. We have How the One-Armed Sister Sweeps Her House by Cherry Jones. No One is Talking About This by Patricia Lockwood. Unsettled Ground by Claire Fuller, Piranesi by Susanna Clark, and The Vanishing Half by Britt Bennett. So that's the short list. The award is going to be given out in September. I feel like that's a little later than it normally is, but you can find more about that at womensprizeforfiction.co.uk. We usually cover these awards, and it's always something interesting. The only one that I've read out of here is The Vanishing Half by Britt Bennett, and then we later did it for a book club here, so I know that's been a, a super popular one. Any of these familiar to you? I read Transcendent Kingdom. Oh, really? How mm-hmm. is it? It was good. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. What is it about? It's about... Oh, man, it's really hard to explain. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm glad I asked. (laughs) So this woman, she's like some kind of like a neuroscientist. And then she's an adult, but she's like reflecting back on her childhood and her brother who became a drug addict and just kind of dealing with all of that. And then her mom is depressed. It's a lot of things, which is why it's kind of hard to explain. But so... And then it also has some like kind of racial dynamics mm. interwoven so but it was just really an interesting book overall one of my roommates read it and was like i really want to talk about this with someone so you should read it and i okay. was like all right and nice. so yeah no regrets it was a good book do the like do you do you follow many of the like lit awards like if you heard oh this won the Pulitzer oh, prize bit. for fiction or this one the you know the booker prize i mean does that do anything for you or not really Sometimes, you know, like I'll vaguely follow them, but yeah. not, I'm not like a dedicated, like, when right. is the little ward coming out? Kind if of something thing. has a sticker of like, this was nominated for this or this won this, does that sway you at all? I think so. Yeah. It would okay. A little bit at least. All right. Uh, anyway, that's going to come out in September and we'll tell you the winner uh, at that point. Now let's take a look at the New York Times bestseller list. We're going to look at the combined print and ebook fiction for the week of August 15th. Allie, would you like to do the honors? Sure. I will do the honors. Number 10, two weeks on the list, Black Ice by Brad Thor. <laughs> Do you know Brad Thor? Not personally. But Do you know him impersonally? I've, yes, I was, I was gifted a couple of books by him, and I got through one. I, I've dragged this book so many times, but The Lions of Lucerne <laughs> was like the worst book I've ever read. But he's, you know, he's immensely popular, so to each his own, I say. Uh, that does happen But it, uh, you know, it elicits, it, <laughs> yes, it elicits an eye roll from me. Mm, understandable all right number nine with nine weeks on the list malibu rising by taylor jenkins an epic party has serious outcomes for four famous siblings taylor jenkins reed yeah she's the one who wrote daisy jones and the six. Oh, i missed so the party. you did yeah. <laughs> that's okay you didn't and it's funny because you were reading it and you I still know, anyway mm-hmm. all right malibu rising malibu rising okay no <laughs> number eight new this week claimed by jr ward oh yeah do you know anything about this? J.R. Ward. Okay, so these books are ones that were always like, that were hard to classify. We're like, is this fantasy? Is this romance? Mm. Is it not? Mm. And she doesn't always stick to the same genre, so it's sort of all over the place. But these, I don't know that I'd put them in the same category with like a Patricia Briggs or like a Christine Feehan, but it's kind of the same arena where it's, uh, 
it, it, there's fantasy elements, occasionally paranormal elements, and usually a little bit of romance thrown in. Mm. So definitely they, they have their fans. Based on the cover, it has kind of that look. Yeah, that's a pretty ripped up shirt that guy's wearing. <laughs> yep. So it tells you that there's dangerous and that he works out, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Which definitely tells you something about the kind of book. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> All right, number seven, also new this week, Devil in Disguise. It's exciting. Lisa Claypass, I think is how you say that. We'll take it. The seventh book in the Ravenel series, Lady Merritt Sterling falls for a Scottish whiskey distiller who's in danger. That did not go the way I was expecting no, it to go. No, no, no. <laughs> I didn't think so. <laughs> I didn't think that's where it was headed either. It doesn't do much for me. What about you? I'm like, it's not the kind of book I would normally read, but I'm so surprised. Yeah. I'm almost curious. You well, know? It, you have to read the first six, right? Oh, in that so case. So that's a big there, commitment. No way. Your brother could make a chart, though, if, you, that's true. if you're interested. Okay. Number six is also brand new. Wow. Not that's a exciting. happy family by so many Shari Lapena. Okay. Questions arise when a rich couple are murdered after an Easter dinner with their three adult children. Yowzer. Yeah. Okay. It has kind of like a, almost like a knives out sort of sound. Yeah, it does. Number five, seven weeks on the list. It ends with us by Colleen Hoover. And you know, I feel like I've been seeing this cover a lot. I think a lot of people really are reading this. Hmm. A battered wife raised in a violent home attempts to halt the cycle of abuse. Good for her. Yeah. I hope she succeeds. Me too. Number four, three weeks on the list. The Cellist by Daniel Silva. Do you know anything about this one? I don't know about this book in particular, but he tends to write like espionage thrillers he had one a couple years ago called the black widow not connected to our past Mm, episode black widow but he is one of those ones that i don't think of when i'm like here are the top tier authors but his books always have a million holds on them whenever they come out it's a pretty dedicated fan base so i i haven't read them but they they are still you know like i said generate a lot of holds that's a new one for me okay all right, number three, four weeks on the list, The Paper Palace by Miranda Cowley Heller. After an extramarital dalliance, Ellie mm. must choose between her husband and her childhood love. Oh, boy. What a choice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. All right, number two, 12 weeks on the list, People We Meet on Vacation. Oh, now this I am Emily seeing Lee. everywhere. Opposites Poppy and Alex meet to vacation together one more time in hopes of saving their relationship. Oh, Okay. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Number one. Are we ready? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like you're drumming up some excitement. I like it. 13 weeks on the list. The Last Thing He Told Me by Laura Dave. Oh, yes. Yep. Hannah Hall discovers truths about her missing husband Mm -hmm. and bonds with his daughter from a previous relationship. I feel like there's a lot of like husbands and... Similar. Yeah. Kind of a feel going on here. You know, I think that's because we're doing the combined print and ebook list. Mm. The flavor of those lists versus like hardcover fiction are very different. That's really interesting. I feel like people's reading choices on ebooks differ in a way that like... I would like to see a study done on that. Do you feel like you could quantify like what the... Just a well, I think that I think that romance tends to be a lot more popular on ebooks. So I don't know if there's like because there's a stigma attached to reading romance, or it just maybe you can you know, secretively read an ebook. Yeah, in your you home. can go. You don't have to show yeah. people that you're checking it out at the yeah. library or buying. Yeah, it I don't store. know. I don't know, but that it does seem to skew that way. Like J.R. Ward, for example, it's not unheard of that she would show up on the hardcover fiction list, but I doubt very much that that one would be. Hmm. You know, but for whatever reason like it finds an audience in a different way it's always it's always interesting to kind of pop back and forth between the list to see what is what is kind of transcending both styles and what is unique to a different delivery system you know yeah yeah that is interesting so i don't know you never know where it's gonna go alexa was on last time and she really liked the swirly font on this and like just the general style of the the last thing he told me it does look and i tend to agree i i do i like the vibe that it's giving off the moment of truth is here, Allie. Are you ready to talk Victorian? I am ready. Because you're a big Bridgerton fan. Is that mm, right? No. Am I remembering that no. right? Strangely enough. Okay. Uh, so so take me in. How did you... I mean, we, we discovered last time that you were on that if, if you and I were to go to a used bookstore together, we would probably never see each other within the store <laughs> because we'd be on complete opposite ends. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And you'd come back with like the dustiest, biggest books, yeah. you know. And look at this book I found I've never heard of. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> Yeah, you're kind of making fun of yourself, which uh, which I appreciate. But so let's let's do it. How do how do you get into Victorian era stuff? Okay, so I think there's two two things that kind of did this. Okay, one is when I was little, 
my sister started reading Jane Austen books okay. at a precociously early age. Ah. And she was like, these are so good. You should read them. And I, being two years younger and maybe not quite as precocious of a reader, tried to read Sense and Sensibility and got super angry at her and angry at Jane Austen and the world because it was too difficult. Angry at specifically at Jane Austen. You were angry. Yes, okay. I was angry at her. Okay. And um, It doesn't seem fair. But. Well, not really. No, it was, you know. But anyway, so for years I was like, nope, this isn't going to happen. And then slowly when I got a little older, she wore me down and like okay. read Pride and Prejudice out loud to me. And we listened oh, to Emma yeah, you know, as an sense. audiobook as a family. And then we watched some of the movies. And then finally I was like, okay, this Jane Austen, which again is Regency, but it's um, close in time period. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that happened. And then I became kind of this big Jane Austen fan. Okay. The other thing that happened is one of my favorite professors in college is very knowledgeable about Victorian literature. Okay. And so shout out to Professor Susan Lipscomb. Let's do it. Um, (laughs) But so I was like, I want to take a lot of classes with her because she's a great professor. And a lot of the classes that I took with her featured Victorian literature in some way. Or like I took a specifically Victorian literature class with her. Mm -hmm. I did a Jane Austen independent study with her. It was a great time. And so because of that, I ended up reading quite a lot of these books and developing a real fondness for Mm -hmm. them. And so... I guess those two things kind of won me over to the 1800s okay. time period in general. A few years back, we were doing a, it was called the Endless Winter Book Club. And we did a, a Jane Austen like pod. So where we read a Jane Austen book every week. And then the last one uh, we had down at the Duke Tea House when that was still open, like we did kind of sort of a big fancy like end of the book club hmm afternoon tea that sounds fun which was super fun the only one that i wasn't leading that book club but i did uh north of your abbey which my wife who also is a big jane austen fan was like well that's the worst one for you to have read <laughs> because it's sort of like you know it's kind of like taking down some of the others right i mean isn't that sort of the gist it's kind of a like it's kind of a parody of gothic literature right so like if you don't no gothic literature like reading a parody is kind of lost i think it can still be kind of fun well i mean i did enjoy it it wasn't like oh i have to go and find you know the next hot jane austen book or you know well jane austen isn't mostly gothic too though it's contemporaneous but yeah so that was that's really like the extent of my jane austen experience like it starts and ends there it is an interesting one to be like the only one that you've read (laughs) because it like i think i love northanger abbey i think it's fun but it is quite different from the others yeah so but you mentioned scooby-doo earlier i did and i feel like northanger abbey and a lot of the gothic literature that it is parodying and this is again something that i talked about with professor lipscomb Uh this idea is not original to me but there's a certain similarity of things where you encounter something and it seems like it's maybe supernatural Mm. or something and Mm -hmm. then totally reasonable explanation whatever the lamps open the secret door and there's a person again so that kind of dynamic in scooby-doo is a lot of what you see in in books like northanger abbey and what it's well i mean i appreciate you bringing it back to scooby-doo because i could talk at length about scooby-doo i mean scooby-doo is pretty great okay well i'm gonna just button that away as a future podcast topic here Uh, i want the listeners to know that i mimed typing even though this is an audio format i can't confirm (laughs) (laughs) so i did that i committed to the bit you know what i also found and i this is sort of a pivot but i read wuthering heights forever ago and i found wuthering heights to have sort of a like an undercurrent of spookiness to it Mm -hmm. have you read wuthering heights i've not but i've heard a lot about (laughs) it oh now who's the expert i yeah you apparently (laughs) you are the expert wuthering heights Heights. it's on my list to get to it some okay but i'm a little hesitant because i've heard so much about it that's just wild that i'm kind of like oh Mm. boy this is gonna be a time i don't know that i can quite put my finger on it it just i guess while i was reading it i spent the whole time Sort of being like, oh, this is where something crazy is going to happen. Or like, uh-oh. You know, like, mm-hmm. I was just kind of always a little bit like waiting for the next shoe to drop, you know. Uh-huh. So I read one that when we were talking about doing this and we were talking about some things that um, were a little bit more modern or modern books that are set in there, specifically juvenile we were looking at. And you recommended Cat Incorrigible by Stephanie Burgess. And I got a hold of it and read it. And I really liked it. I yeah. thought that was a lot of fun. Do you want to tell a little bit about that series? So I'll start saying things. And since you read it more recently, if I go wrong, you can you can jump in and be like, no, <laughs> so no, she's wrong. Exactly. Yes. Um, <laughs> but Cat Incorrigible. So it's about a girl named Cat again, during this kind of, uh, I think the book isn't real specific, whether it's Victorian or Regency. No, I don't think anything really ties it down. But the vibe is the vibe there. is. Yeah. yeah. And so and she I forget exactly how this comes about, but she like 
starts kind of exploring magic. Yeah. And her older sister does like some magic yeah, so spell. They're, so the family is in debt. The brother specifically has these huge gambling debts. And so they're pretty much like, we got to marry off the older sister to someone rich so that we can get the family back on track and pay off these debts. And Which everything. is a big theme in like... Uh, yeah. Yeah, right. in these kinds of novels, you know. And so Kat and her older sister find their their mother their mother who died when they were very young find her magic books and start trying to like find another way so that they don't have to marry off the older sister to some dumpy old rich man which is you know i i would probably do the same yeah thing, you know? no it makes total sense but it was uh i i thought it worked really well because it wasn't like every single page was magic and actually I, the cover of it is uh her with like a magic teapot and stuff and it has a much more whimsical look to it that I feel like the book actually is. Mm-hmm. So if you read that, I think it's a little bit more serious than the cover implies. But I think it does a really nice job of covering a lot of, and, and I mean, again, I'm truly not an expert on this, but a lot of the the tropes and situations that you would expect from that era while also having a little girl like delving into a magic world. Like right. I think that they balance that really well. Yeah. So I enjoyed reading the first book and there's several in the series. Yeah. And I haven't read any of the others. Well, you've only read I, the it first. was only recently that I discovered there was more. So okay. they're on my list. Well, I think it works pretty well as a standalone. Yeah. I thought so too. I which is part of why, yeah. you know, I didn't expect there to be more. And so yeah. I didn't know to look for it. Yeah. But yeah, it, it kind of ties up the story that it's talking about, but it sets in motion some, uh, some other things that, that clearly could come back into play. Hold yeah. On. So outside of that, I feel like the stuff that I've read that technically is Victorian literature is probably not the same kind of thing that you might think of uh, when you say Victorian literature, because I've read a lot of H. Ryder Haggard's Alan Quartermain series. Are you familiar with that at all? Not really. So I know we were talking a little bit about, um, oh, what is that? League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Mm -hmm. That's one that's sort of, it's a modern, not modern anymore, but more modern that's a take on that time frame and Alan Quartermain's a main character in that. Oh yes. That's why I was like, why is that name familiar? Yeah. That's why. So Quartermain is, I don't know, in some ways it, it feels a little bit like a, like a proto Indiana Jones. He's, he's more of a academic character than just like a straight up adventure character. And he goes through the first one and the most famous is King Solomon's mines where he's, you know, trying mm-hmm. to find this certain mine, but the thing that I think is so interesting about this series is that there's many books that span, you know, that were written over, a, you know, a decade plus, but they're not in any sort of order. So, like, you read the first book, and then the next book that was published is one called, just called Alan Quartermain. And hmm. it's, it's like at the end of the character's life, whereas, you know, the first one is the very beginning. And so, like, there's short stories, there's other novels, and it's like, you know, at this one, Alan is 30s, he's, you know, or he's... Mm-hmm. He's in his 50s. He's in kind of the middle of his adventure or he's like at the tail end and they're not written in chronological order. Mm. And so you can kind of read them in any order because each one just sort of drops you into this moment in the life of Alan Quartermain. And I think that's pretty unique. I know like the Conan the Barbarian series did that, but it's pretty rare, I think, to not have a linear Mm -hmm. kind of story. Uh, but I like those a lot. And you, you sort of like see him interacting with, you know, a more traditional Victorian society. And then he's kind of like, peace out. I'm going to go do my own thing. So just really interesting series that doesn't always, reading them now, you know, you have to sort of be like, okay, well, that's a, not an appropriate attitude to have anymore. Right. You know, especially some of the places that he travels. But overall, I think they really hold up as, you know, adventure and, and are a lot of fun. What are some of your favorites? Like if you had some to, of my favorites. Yeah. So first one that comes to mind is Middlemarch by George okay. Eliot, which for any listeners who might not know, George Eliot is a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, that's her pen name. I think her real name was like Marianne or Marion or something like that. Okay. I don't remember off the top of my head because she always goes by George Eliot. So, mm. um, but Middlemarch and it's quite a long novel, but it's worth, it's worth the read. Um, it kind of interweaves some stories in this like small town community. Um, this young woman who's really bright, but marries this kind of scholar who's sort of like not not as good as he thinks he is. Okay. And so there's kind of a tragedy to that. Mm-hmm. And then like a young doctor who again is bright, but so it kind of interweaves some of these things. And um, it really has a way of making you understand and resonate with characters even the ones who you're really not crazy about (laughs) and so i think it does a really good job of kind of capturing um the 
the complexity of human nature. Okay. And so, and it's just, it's just a fun time. Yeah, I recommend it. So is it those complexities that, that draw you to the, the genre or the era? Like what is it specifically? I think that is a big yeah. part of it. Yeah. And it's also just fun to be able to read something that you're separate from. And so you can mm-hmm. look back on it a little bit differently. Whereas things we read now, it's not always easy to pull out. Like what are the underlying themes? Yeah. But something where you have a little more space, you can pull out some of the kind of like, here's what was going on. And so I just find that appealing, I guess, as mm-hmm. well. If there's somebody who, you know, maybe they, they find it daunting to pick up something like this. What do you think is a good, you know, sort of like way in to read that sort of thing? I think starting with the movie adaptations, usually I'm a book first kind of person. Okay. But I do think starting with the movie adaptations oh, can okay. actually be helpful. Mm-hmm. For instance, there's a really good adaptation of Wives and Daughters by Elizabeth Gaskell, which I still haven't actually read that particular book. Mm-hmm. But the adaptation is so good that I feel like it's the kind of thing where it, it makes you want to go deeper and read the books, mm-hmm. which I just think is really useful, I guess. Yeah. So I think that's a good way in. Well, I guess that would sort of give you a shorthand a little bit. Like you, yeah. if you're familiar with that or you've, you've watched some of the movies, when you approach the book, you kind of understand how that society works and what the expectations are. And, and you have at least a sense of the kinds of things the characters are going to come up against, which can probably make reading something like that feel a little bit more like, okay, I get this. I get the basic premise right. of, you know, what's yeah, going on. Exactly. And I also think that Dracula is maybe a, oh. a fairly approachable one. Okay. I really enjoyed Dracula. As well. Okay. Um, My brother's a huge fan of that book. Like the, okay. He, he read some of it, but he listened to the audiobook as well. And it has like a big full cast, you know, oh, with sounds and things yeah. of Dracula. I know, like I haven't read the book. I, I've been meaning to, but it's not... I mean, talk about it a little bit because it's not what you expect. It's like not when you what think, you expect. Like, when you picture Dracula and vampires, right. it's not really the book that you get when yeah, you read Dracula. I feel like the way that we think about and portray vampires now is very different. Mm. So Count Dracula, the actual character, is like, I guess, kind of a figure of like fear of foreigners and immigration, okay. which is really interesting. But so he like lives in this castle and this kind of hairy and climbs walls mm-hmm. and all that. Yeah, I guess it's kind of a story of some people teaming up to kind of take down this evil together. Okay. But I feel like the way that it's often portrayed is a lot more like sparkly, mm. like not to try, not to be a twilight. I was just going to say uh, <laughs> that's uh, but there's something to I that. I know some sparkly vampires. So whereas this, I feel like is more of like a working hard and um, yeah, I guess, I guess that's more what stands out from the book. Okay. Also, Mina Harker is a really cool character. Okay. She's very practical and uses a typewriter and memorizes <laughs> train schedules. And it's super great. Okay. Well, it's funny because, I mean, the same thing is true of Frankenstein in a lot of ways. Like, you have your your mind, like, you picture what Frankenstein is, and then you read the book, and you're it's like, very different. this is not that and at all. I think it's better. Like, I it's prefer the Frankenstein It's certainly a, a deeper examination of mm-hmm. that. I mean, the, the movies and, like, just sort of the, the common knowledge of what frankenstein is really reduces it to just sort of like yeah he's alive exactly exactly where and you're not going to find that in the book so it's sort of like jarring but there is some really cool stuff in the book that i think oh for sure yeah yeah that i think will fill fill the desire for that he's alive but take it deeper as well yeah but yeah but the the landscape is just much more rich and there's there's so many different I don't know. There's a lot of like ethical problems that, right. that you're kind of struggling with as you read through the book and you're just sort of like, well, I mean, is this, you know, it just is mu- a much deeper book than, yeah, than you've been led absolutely. to believe. And I so. think that's another thing that I really like about lit from this era mm-hmm. is that it tends to have kind of explorations of morality and um, things, how that plays out. And so I just always find that really interesting as mm-hmm. well. Okay. I guess like when I was looking at the things that I've read from from this era, like Alan Quartermain, it tends to verge on the more like, you know, the romance of adventure side of things. So like Treasure Island mm-hmm. by Robert Louis Stevenson or um, Captain's Courageous by Rudyard Kipling. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just recently read that one. And I don't know. I really like that. I like especially in Captain's Courageous, you have a whole fish out of water story, which is just fun. You know, snobby rich kid gets stuck having to pull his weight. on. That does you sound know. fun. It's just, uh, you know, it's it's a good story, and and it seems like oftentimes there is a there's a desire to sort of subvert the fanciness that you tend to like associate mm-hmm. with, with books of that era. Uh, well, how do you feel about Charles Dickens? I don't think I've actually read a lot of Dickens. Okay, which is 
terrible. I've but <laughs> always been fascinated by a Christmas Carol. Like I, that as one, a kid, I, I, mean, I do really like. And I love that. I love that book. Uh, I, I love most adaptations of that. We have a really cool edition here that has the book side by side with the original handwritten manuscript. Ooh, that's cool. And so it's just fun, like especially if you know the story and you can kind of go through and pick out little things where it's like, oh, okay. You can see where he's crossed out or changed what he was going to really say. Fun. So it is, it's a really cool thing. There's a really nice audio drama of that too. Oh, I yeah? Think. Yeah. Okay. You still listen to it. So I just think that's a that's a great story. And it's kind of funny when you when he was you realize he wrote it with just like out of desperation and desperately yeah. needing money. It's not some grand romantic thing. He was just <laughs> like, Oh crap. Let me just write this Christmas novel. You know, it's just funny. Well, I mean like, I don't know like that. I want to be able to just like quickly, you know, pull one of those out when I write like the money. most like, famous book of all time. Yeah, yeah. That'd be, here we go. That'd be handy. I've been very slowly reading David Copperfield. Uh, it's a huge book and it's in segments. So I'll kind of just like, pick it up and I'll go through and then when there's a transition I'll put it back down but I've really enjoyed reading that one so far I just there's something that I mean even even though the books are the age that they are there's something that always feels a little bit modern to me about his style and mm -hmm. I just appreciate that coming across it I'll find like in David Copperfield um, I read some of it aloud and there were times when we would just like laugh out loud you yeah know, because mm -hmm. it's just it's funny and it's like unexpectedly funny and, and funny and again, kind of a subversive way, which I just always enjoy. Yeah. So have you, so is middle March, middle March is your top picks. Any other honorable mentions you want to get into before we mentions. close up shop? Dracula is really good. Yes. Adam Bede also by George Eliot is really good. Okay. Yeah. That also a, a fascinating story. Um, let me think. Oscar Wilde. Do you like, like Dorian Gray or anything oh, like that? I haven't made my way to that yet. Okay. See, that's the problem is there are just, there are so many of oh, these yeah. books, and my to-be-read list is longer than I am tall. My brother was in a play of Queens of France, uh, which is a you know a, a short Oscar Wilde play, and it's just it's so clever. Like it, it made me want to read *The Picture of Dorian Gray*, mm. but I haven't read mm -hmm. it either. So, future podcast topic: hey. miming typing. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, for Bridgerton fans out there, you would direct them maybe to the Colin Firth *Pride and Prejudice*. Yeah. To get a, a more taste right. of. Right. And like the Gwyneth Paltrow Emma. Okay. Also really good. Okay. Mm -hmm. What about the movie Clueless? Does that count? Um, <laughs> I enjoy Clueless. Yeah. It's a little different, but okay. I wouldn't say you shouldn't watch right. it. Like, you know, it's a good time. You know, we had Alexander McCall Smith come here and he was one of the authors who there was like, there was a thing called the Jane Austen Project where they were taking mainstream authors and having them rewrite a Jane Austen book mm -hmm. in a different, uh, in a different setting. And he did Emma and I read it in preparation for his visit, we did it for a book club and it was so bad. Oh, I hated it so much. Uh, and my wife who likes Emma, you know, was like reading a little bit of it or listening to it. And she was like, Oh no, no, this oh, is, dear. this is not the way you want to go. But oh, no. all right. Well, I think that pretty much covers it then. All righty. All right. Uh, any big library news you want to mention coming up for teens? We're having a teen photo scavenger. Hunt oh yeah. Right now. That's fun. So I have a list of different kind of prompts, like take a picture of, a shelf of books with okay. your initial, something like that. And the idea is teens will take pictures to fulfill the prompts mm -hmm. and then submit them one way or the other. There's a couple options and be entered for a raffle. Okay. So, and I think it's kind of cool. Yeah, definitely. I, <laughs> I like taking pictures to fulfill prompts. So I'm yeah. going to do some of them just to be like, here's an example. Mostly because I want to have fun, mm -hmm. but also to give people examples. I've had, when I was on the kids' desk the other day, I had a few parents being like, so can parents do this too? So maybe we need to have like a grown-up version as well because that I is I mean, I feel like I'm not really going to turn anyone away, yeah. you know? Yeah. So Nice. And of course, sparkly lights up in the teen love now. Sparkly lights up in the teen love. So exciting times. All right. Well, thanks for coming back thanks on the old podcast. Me. All right. We'll see you next time, everybody. All righty.